Hey everybody, it's Jonathan Burke here with Corey Starr. Hello, hello. For another episode of Burke Reviews Movie Club. This week, as we told you, we're going to be talking about District 9. We're recording a little early, so uh, apologies if you are sending our your uh, comments to us. We might read them on the next episode. Um, but this is uh, my first time seeing District 9, and Corey, is this your first experience with it as well? It is. All right. Well, before we get into that, we're going to start with uh, some trailer talk and looking at what's coming out on March 17th. Um, and we're going to start with the Belko experiment. Um, Corey, what are your thoughts on the Belko experiment? Okay, I'm pretty sure that I saw this trailer a while ago. Not this trailer, but a trailer for this movie where they're all kind of sitting in a circle on the floor in the building. And they're, or I think they're in a circle but they're um, trying to decide who's going to die. Mm. But I forgot the name of it, and I kind of forgot it existed because I feel like it's been a really long time. It seems like it. it's... I'm interested by the, um, you know, the storyline. You know, it looks pretty militant, so I'm wondering if these people in this building knew who they were working for the whole time, you know? Mm. So I'm definitely intrigued to well, learn more. It's... Uh, the Belko Experiment is uh, directed by Greg McLean, who's done such classic films as Wolf Creek and Rogue. Um, I'm being somewhat sarcastic. They're not classic to me. They look like horror films that I wouldn't have given the time of day, but, um, you know, teach their own. But the the writer of this film is James Gunn, who uh, you will know more than likely, listeners and Corey, um, he was the he is one of the directors for Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians of the Galaxy Two, um, and he also directed uh, a Rain Wilson film that I'm a fan of, and I think Corey you like as well. Uh, I'm sorry, he is the director um, from those two, and that's Super uh, with Rain Wilson and Ellen Page, where he plays a superhero. I haven't seen that movie. Really? Oh, that yeah. that surprises me, especially because of Rain Wilson and that, and Kevin Bacon is in it as well. It's I think Liv Tyler. I'm like 90% sure Liv Tyler. Yeah, I am right. She is in it. Um, it's on Netflix, I think. It is a brutal watch, though. It is a grounded take on the superhero genre. So um, it's kind of like, what if a real normal person in everyday life decided to start wearing a superhero-type suit and trying to fight crime? So things go really wrong at first, and then things go very violent, because in real life we don't have superpowers. We just have to use brute force. Um, and then Ellen Page becomes his sidekick, and it's pretty brutal. But uh, James Gunn is a writer that I'm a fan of, um, and so him being involved with uh, the Belko experiment definitely gives it some credibility. And in fact, they're even marketing it as though he's the director. Um, it says, brought to you by James Gunn or something along those lines, which seems to imply that he's not just the uh, writer. But it also has some big-name actors that I'm a fan of, um, Michael Rooker, um, John Gallagher Jr. from 10 Cloverfield Lane, and... Uh, Short Term 12, and Hush, which was a popular Netflix horror film from last year. Um, as per usual as... with James Gunn, his brother Sean is in the movie. What were you going to say? Oh, it has Merle, but I don't know his That's real name. That's Michael Rooker. Um, he's also in oh. uh, Rats, which I've been a fan of his since then. Um, and there's somebody else, but I'm not seeing... I always forget the guy's name. He's in... Um, um, oh man, what's the what's the show called with the the oh there he is no nope, that's not him he's in oh man oh there he is John C McGinley um he is in the the TV show with Zach Braff and Scrubs man I cannot think of the word Scrubs um he's he's the doctor that is constantly giving him crap um but the film if you haven't seen the trailer which you can now check out on BurkeReviews.com as well 
Um, it looks really interesting to me, and they're they're marketing it as a uh, the office space meets um, was it Saw? They said I don't think so. Oh oh, uh, Battle Royale. Right, yeah, Battle Royale though, which is a um, I believe it is a Chinese film. Um, it's definitely a foreign film um, where a group of teenagers are put on, on in a schoolyard and they're forced to kill each other, um, which is the inspiration, or at least many people claim, where Hunger Games came from. Um, but Hunger Games made it more about the uh, the love story than it is about the survival of this horrific experience these kids go through. Uh, Battle Royale is worth watching. It is pretty brutal. Um, it is on Netflix, or at least it was uh, last year. There is a second one that I've heard is not as good. But... Yeah, the fact that they're they're marketing it as Office Space meets Battle Royale definitely makes me want to see it even more. Um, the cast is uh, compelling enough, and if you again, if you haven't seen the trailer, uh, a office building is put on lockdown, and they're told that they have to kill each other, um, so many of each other before they just the the company will just start killing them, and it's informed like yeah, they put chips in our heads, blah blah blah, Suicide Squad style almost, but. It looks crazy. It looks like it's going to be real intense, um, definitely violent. It's got a 64 on Metacritic, which is pretty high for this type of movie um, because this could just be like, you know, a, an action-packed, blow-em-up type film. But uh, the fact that it's got that high of rating, it's either fun in this regard, which James Gunn is known for having a little bit of comedy um, mixed in with his stuff, or Slither. it's compelling. He wrote um, Slither, and he also wrote the not horrible remake of Dawn of the Dead in 2004. I was just looking over some of his other work. Yeah, I don't like that one, though, because Zack Snyder's involved with it. I'm sorry, but it wasn't as bad as I was expecting. True, considering Dawn of the Dead is one of my favorite zombie films, the original, not the uh, the remake, but um, usually a remake is going to not be great. So. Agreed. It might have been because of James Gunn's writing. If James Gunn was writing the Batman movie, I'd be a lot more um, excited than I would be with Zack Snyder behind it, but... Um, next up, coming out, there's only two wide releases on March 17th. This is the big one that most people are going to be rushing to the theater to see with their, their families, and that is the live-action adaptation of Beauty and the Beast. And I, I guess I have to say Disney's Beauty and the Beast, um, to be accurate. Um, this one's big, starring Emma Watson, Dan Stevens, Luke Evans. Um, I can't get past Dan Stevens being Beast because I've only seen him in uh, a movie called The Guest. Um, which is a very independent, um, crazy, like, action, suspense uh, mystery. Um, it's really interesting and worth watching. But L Luke Evans is also in Beauty and the Beast. Josh Gad, um, Kevin Kline. Um, I'm sure there's bigger. Oh, well, obviously Ewan McGregor and then Ian McKellen, um, Emma Thompson. Those are, they're providing voices for the, uh, the various things inside the mansion. Um, Stanley Tucci shows up in this movie. I mean... It's quite a bit of uh, big-name people in Beauty and the Beast. Um, trailers have been out for a little while now. They've been teasing us for over a year uh, with pictures of the rose and things like that. Um, I'm, I'm ex I don't know, excited is not the right word. I am hoping to enjoy this movie. What are your thoughts? I am super excited. I was super excited to find out that Ewan McGregor is involved. I really like Emma Watson. Um, I love Beauty and the Beast. I rewatched it recently and loved it more, the um, animated one. So I kind of want to go opening night, but I also don't have a death wish. <laughs> but oh. I'm definitely going to be seeing that one. We are going opening night. Um, I already have our tickets. I have two of our tickets purchased. I'll be buying my ticket on Thursday. But 
Um, this is one of the few movies where my wife is excited about going to see it. Um, I am a little apprehensive about the um, a few things, actually. One, is this a shot-by-shot remake of the original? And if so, why? Um, that is not what they've done with their other live-action adaptations to, to, to this point, particularly Cinderella and Jungle Book. Um, they are variations of the original, but they are not by any means identical. And what we've seen of Beauty and the Beast looks almost shot for shot, which is different. And I wonder why they would go that route with it. It's not necessarily bad. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, the other ones, there's a reason to do them again because they yeah. are changing things. Why do it again if you're just going to make them people versus, like, if anything, it makes the whole bestiality element of this story a little more creepier because they're people. Uh, well, she's a person instead of a cartoon person. Um, and then... Uh, the singing, um, I'm not, they, I've only heard Emma Watson sing for a few seconds on, I think, the most recent trailer you hear her singing one, oh, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't even a trailer for the movie, it was a commercial for Shampoo, um, what? I think, yeah, they start off with part of her singing one of the songs, I think the first song, and then it cuts, it cuts it off really quick, and then it has, like, two Beauty and the Beast themed shampoo bottles pop up on the screen, um, and it didn't sound bad, but I also wasn't, like, super blown away by it. Um, so I'm not sure. I've not heard her sing. I don't know if she's done musicals outside of uh, film. I mean, for the most part, I've only seen the Harry Potter films and Perks of Being a Wallflower with her in it. Um, none of those, to my knowledge, she sings. And so that's a big thing. Like, can she you know, do these songs justice? Um, and how many of the songs are they doing? Are they doing all the songs from the movie? Or are they going to do like Jungle Book where they only did really like one and a half of the songs um, from the original? And they changed you know, part of the songs as well in Jungle Book. So it is curious to see. I don't think Cinderella sang um, in the live action adaptation. I can't remember for sure. I've only watched it once and I don't remember any songs in that movie. Um, so I'm I'm intrigued to see how it plays out hopefully it's great i know if it's not great people will be really mad because they messed with something that is uh beloved but disney doesn't do wrong very often not that they're perfect but you know they've been on quite a streak with the marvel universe and then with the uh, star wars films um and moana and i mean pixar i mean really it's hard to think of a, a disney film that's been bad like there are films that have it done, done poorly like Pete's Dragon did not do well last year. But from what I've heard, it's a good movie. I still haven't seen it. But from what I've heard, it's good. I don't really want to watch Pete's Dragon, but that's like, I just have never been attached to that film and it, it didn't look particularly interesting in the trailer. So I haven't been compelled to check it out. I even, I had it available to watch and I, I didn't bother. So, um, yeah, but I, I'm apprehensively excited about it. Now, uh, there's a lot of controversy, though, around this movie because they've made um, a character gay, openly gay. Um, and I just want to take a moment and say good old Alabama. Thank you for being in the news for that. I have not fact-checked this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up real quick. But, yes, Alabama okay. is a state. Uh, in the Well, I'm sure everyone knows that. It was a state. And in uh, the U.S., it has banned sh- screenings of Beauty and the Beast um, because of the gay character. And I think that i saw in particular that there is like an independent owned i think drive-in that is not going to play it because of that i also haven't really looked into it but seriously it's 2017 guys come on well while alabama doing that is is not entirely surprising um if i'm not mistaken they are one of the states that are denying gay marriage even though it's a federal law now 
Um, I could be wrong, but that is my, what I recall, and I'm not quoting anything. However, I'm looking at an article right now from the Billboard. Um, it's The headline is, Kids Under 16 Can't See Beauty and the Beast in Russia because of the same thing, um, because of the homosexual character. So Disney uh, doing something that they've not done before, which is having an openly gay character in one of their stories, um, and there's backlash, um, which is you know surprising. But then we know because we live so lived so close to Disney World, they have Gay Day every year. You know, it's like they're a very progressive company. Company, and that people are surprised or offended just because those people they still watch Disney movies. They probably still go to Disney. They still probably buy Disney products. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the thing is, um, this is it's it's happening at a time where there's lots of controversy, controversy. Sorry, and um, you know we have all sorts of uh, human rights issues that we thought were fixed starting to come back to the forefront, um, and maybe not fixed, but we thought they were farther along than they are apparently. As this is still an issue, it's still happening. Um, despite all the changes that have occurred and all the changes to the law. And, and again, despite what your beliefs are, um, seeing a gay character in a movie will not turn you gay. So there's really no reason to boycott a movie simply because a character in it, because then you have to boycott the world, because there are people in it who don't agree with you and do not believe in the same things that you believe. Thus, you can't go out in the world anymore because you'll have to encounter something that is contrary to what you believe. I think we just have to learn to accept that everybody has the right to believe what they're going to believe. And as long as it does not directly infringe or hurt anybody else, we should not be stifling such things. Um, so, you know, and I'm not saying anything revolutionary. You can hate me if I said it, if you don't agree with me, but that would be, again, my point. Don't. That's that's ridiculous. I'm not stopping you from believing what you believe. Don't stop other people from believing what they believe. Now, let's hope that Beauty and the Beast is as good as the animated one. Um, that Emma Watson does not tarnish her otherwise uh, very well-regarded career. I'm sure Universal Studios is a little mad that their Hermione Granger is now on the Disney track. But um, I didn't think about that. <laughs> we're going to get into uh, District 9 um, and start talking about our opinions of the film. So, um, Corey, what do you got to tell our listeners? Dun, dun, dun. I need a sound bite. Um, okay, so we are going to talk about this movie. We've already warned you about <coughs> this, but we will be talking about it probably in great detail. If you do not want to um, hear any spoilers, you can pause us and come back after you watch the movie or keep rolling. I think I just heard uh, Corey's husband sneeze. So... <laughs> like three rooms away, guys. <laughs> Feel free to tell him, bless you. Um, but... Uh... All right, so District 9 is from 2009, so it's I can't believe it's eight years old. Um, I, I had not seen this film, mainly because, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm going to double-check, but there was a film that came out called Battle for Los Angeles um, that was a cheesy, like, action um, uh, sci-fi film. Um, I'm sorry, it's not even Battle for it. It's Battle Los Angeles. Um, and that came out in 2011, so I guess I'm completely wrong. Somehow or another, these two movies in my head had gotten kind of intertwined, that they looked similar. And so I never bothered to see District 9. And um, I started hearing things about it a few years ago where people were like, well, you didn't see that? And I'm like, no, no, I didn't. And, um, you know, that I, I said it just didn't look that good. And um, people started pushing me like to check it out. So I've, I've been meaning to watch it 
for at least a year. Um, I think I bought it last year around this time at Big Lots. Uh, I found it for like four bucks on DVD, and I was like, all right, cool, I'm gonna watch it. And then I just didn't and didn't and didn't and didn't. And finally, uh, this podcast has put it. I put it on the list, and I gotta be honest. I still almost didn't watch it. I still was ready to push it off the list and be like, no. I know. You're like, hmm, maybe we'll do something different. But I'm glad we stuck with it, actually. Um, That's my initial, that's basically my initial point of view. But um, before we get into our our opinions, let's go through the details. So it's 2009, uh, written and, or co-written by Neil Blomkamp and Terry uh, Tatchell, um, uh, directed by Neil Blomkamp, uh, starring Charlto Copley. I can never say that guy's name right. He is um, in the movie The A-Team. Um, he was in Hardcore Henry. And he's also in Elysium, um, which is another Neil Blomkamp film. Um, and then most of these other actors are not super famous to my knowledge. They look like they're maybe um, natives to the South African area. Um, the film was made in South Africa. It is set in South, Af- South Africa, Johannesburg to be exact. Um, and... Uh, the plot summary is an extraterrestrial race forced to live in slum-like conditions on Earth suddenly finds a kindred spirit in a government agent who is exposed to their biotechnology. Um, all right. Corey, what was your initial take on the film? Um, here we are eight years later, and it's still very relative. Um, so that right, right when the film starts, that caught my attention. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, this is interesting. Um given that uh, the aliens, which are called, uh, in a derogatory way, prawns. Um, I forgot. what I think they had a more official name, um, but I don't see what, what they were called aside from that. Uh, somehow they know their language, um, which they, they, they've been there for 20 years. Um, the aliens, are, their spaceship shows up over Johannesburg. Um, they attempt to make contact. There's no, they don't respond. They don't respond. Finally, they cut their way into the spaceship and they find the aliens basically dying, um, living in very bad conditions and they essentially, uh, rescue them. But, um, tensions, uh, particularly like xenophobia, which is a big element of this film, which is, I think part of what Corey is alluding to of its relevance in today's world is that we are, we are facing another xenophobic type, uh, legislation being passed. Um, where the fear of outsiders, and so uh, tensions boil over, and they they force the aliens that they call prawns into a like slum uh, that's called District Nine, and in the film, um, it's done in a interesting way, uh, where it feels like um, documentary style interviews are uh, intertwined, where we are basically seeing interviews of after the events of the film. Um, tied in with things before events of the film. I don't know if you picked up on that. I did. I was, and you're saying that about like the documentary style types of film. Um, Mm -hmm. And I like that they didn't go super grainy, low quality with that. No. Yeah. It was in the same style of the rest of the movie, basically. Yeah. Cause I know that we have seen that many times before so thank you and it's not a found Um, footage film which i was also grateful for because a lot of times when you go doc style you go with a found footage type um documentary you know capturing it as it happens and they didn't go that route um there's a few moments where the camera is supposed to be within the film itself and then the rest is us just like third person floating you know camera watching what's happening 
uh, which I'm glad because it makes the film much more enjoyable than a found footage version because I can't imagine how shaky cam this movie would have been if they went found footage. But um, Our main character is, again, Charlto Copley, um, and he plays Wickes Van De Moer. Oh, I'm totally butchering that last name, but Wickes is what they call him throughout the film. Um, he is basically said he's kind of an idiot, and he receives a promotion at the MNU, which I forget what it's multinational. Uh, I'm forgetting what the U stood for, but um, it's essentially like a United Nations type military organization um, in essence. That, United. Oh, that makes sense. Multinational uh, United. There you go. Um, he he works in the Alien Affairs Department. Uh, it seems that most of the interviews we see with him are before the events of the film. And then the interviews we see with most other people are after the events of the film. There's references to Wickes. Um, that's when we knew he turned on us and things like that that uh, don't make sense in the context of when we see them, but later make very much sense. Um, it's an interesting uh, framing device, although um, it they go away from it for quite a while in the film. Like, it's, it's kind of, you know, they go to it time and time again, but towards the climax of the film... We completely abandon it until the end, and then we go back to the doc footage, which makes sense. You don't necessarily want to interrupt your climax with people talking, but at the same time, when it's your primary framing device and then you just leave it, it does feel like it was an unnecessary framing device. Um, but it, it's not bad by any means. It doesn't take away from the movie, I don't think, it, at all. But um, what happens, though, is they uh, the people are still tired of the aliens being so close. Um, they eat cat food, uh, which to me, it looked like dog food. And also, I swear there was a picture of a dog on it, but they called it cat food. Um, and they were huge cans. Huge. They were like, like yeah, big the size dog, of dog food, food cans. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they don't really ever explain why. Uh, the only reason I think they emphasize that is that at some point, there's a character who is, well, spoilers already, Wickus gets um, infected with a alien bug uh, or virus type thing, which wasn't the plan. At first, when that happened, I thought that was what that was supposed to do. Like, that the the prawns, which I think the prawn's name is Christopher, but I have no way of it is okay. Um, the prawn's name is Christopher that we end up becoming uh, attached to. He spends a lot of time with Wickus at some point, but at first I thought that was Christopher's plan was that he was going to turn the planet into prawns, but no, uh, the the fuel that gets into Wickus is fuel for a spaceship, which we find out later. But um, Wickus uh, eats cat food when he gets at his most desperate. And I think that was just supposed to show us that he was completely transforming, like that he's, you know, going to turn into a prawn. Um, but otherwise I didn't see any kind of like in information about the cat food, like why the prawns liked it so much. Um, even so much that the one time we see one eating it, he eats the whole can even, um, Ooh. like he just and shoves the whole can in his mouth. Are willing to pay ridiculous prices for this cat food. <laughs> And um, there's Nigerians, I think, that were uh, that have become like a gang inside of the prawn, the District Nine. They they confiscate alien weapons, but all the alien weapons are bio engineered, so they can only be used by prawns. Um, yet they're collecting this massive uh, armory of it. The leader of the Nigerian gang is trying to become a prawn, or at least take on their uh, powers, and uh, does this by eating prawns, not not the shrimp that we're used to saying when we say prawns but um the the aliens he he eats them uh it isn't working so i don't know why he's still doing it but um so uh wickis starts to transform and the military wants to chop him up and use him as a weapon of sorts and um 
yeah, uh, his arm turns first, and then um, he's throughout the movie his transformation is grotesque and pretty awesome. I thought the effects for it were pretty impressive, especially uh, I think I read this movie was a thirty million dollar budget. Um, Whoa! Yeah, which is really low for a sci-fi film, and there's a lot of special effects. Uh, there's some cool weapon scenes. There's some cool explosions. Um, I actually the initially when they first showed the aliens, I didn't think they looked that good. But um, when Chris became a prominent character, I really thought he looked pretty awesome. Um, and again, the the body horror makeup for Wickus is is insane. Like I I was I looked away like twice at some of like he was picking his like torso. Had, like, I I was like oh 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 no. Can so, we talk for a second? Oh yeah. You guys already know that teeth freak me out. Mm. But I hate fingernails. Oh oh yeah, I forgot about the fingernails. I... <laughs> And it wasn't bad enough that he pulled one off, and I thought I was going to throw up. And then a little bit later, he had to pull off another one. Oh. Like, thank you. Yeah, that whole – the when he first gets back, he's trying to act like he's okay. And um, he had he got attacked by another uh, prawn because he was – I didn't say – they were evicting them from District 9, and they're making them go to a smaller uh, – basically a concentration camp, as uh, Wickes later calls it. And those, um, the housing units at that concentration camp, they reminded me of, like, when you see commercial farms, mm. they have those buildings that are made out of that, that like, white... The tent-like material. Yeah. yeah. So that kind of threw me off because it just made me think that they're, like, doing tests on insects on crops, you know? Which, to a degree, um, I mean, that was probably not far off what they were going to be doing because we saw what MNU was doing... <sighs> To the prawns in the first place, which is a this movie actually it's um it's fairly uh, emotionally grounded um, with the characters. Um, it, now, if you haven't caught on, it's set in Johannesburg, it's set in South Africa, and there is no question that this film is um, pulling from the apartheid. I caught that reference immediately um, when I with the civil rights elements, and so before doing the podcast, I did look up some articles about it because it's. I'm I'm by no means an expert on the apartheid. Um, I think my first introduction as a kid to the concept of it was Lethal Weapon 2, I believe, is uh, where it deals with the apartheid. Um, as one of uh, a prominent figure in the apartheid has come to America looking for, um, what is it, absolution? Because there's diplomatic immunity, which is a quotable line from Lethal Weapon 2. And that was the first time I ever encountered it. And I was a kid when I saw that, well... Maybe not a kid kid, but I was way too young when I saw Lethal Weapon 2 for the first time and didn't quite understand what it was. Um, it wasn't until uh, I found out that Dave Matthews was South African that I started going, wait, what? And started to learn more about the South African um, culture and, and all of the craziness that went on uh, there with the apartheid. And so this movie definitely has parallels from that. Um, and the article from CNN discusses it in detail that Blancamp didn't want to just beat people over the head with it, but he wanted to... Um, give people an idea of what it was like when he grew up in South Africa during that time. Um, and so it's it's compelling. It's definitely got, I mean, you could connect this to almost any civil rights story and see elements of it there. Um, you see the, the poor living conditions that, um, that the prawns are forced to deal with, the fear that people have, especially the irrational fear. Um, and even more, uh, the claim that when Wickes starts to turn and he escapes from the MNU because he is, Determined not to be mutilated, he just wants to get back to his wife and have a normal life again. Um, the claim that goes out is that he was sleeping with the aliens, and that's oh. how he's started to transform, which of and, course makes oh. people hate him. And I love how quickly the media, boom, 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 had that all over the place. Oh yeah, big time. Um, 
now uh Charlotte Copley is a he's got this there's a comedic element to him like everything I've seen him in it has that same kind of comedic tone to his performance um cuz even I haven't watched Elysium all the way through but he plays the villain in Elysium um and uh he is still got this weird quirky comedic element about him um and then Hardcore Henry uh which I could barely watch it almost made me it made me legitimately sick for three days um, because of the amount of first-person shooter stuff. Um, but Charlotte Copley plays a multitude of characters as he's... Um, he, I don't want to spoil Hardcore Henry, but there's he's he's in the film quite a bit, and he's got, again, a comedic tone. So um, even though this guy's going through some serious crap, there's still an air of silliness about him because like, he's, he's not your expected hero by any means. His personality that we've seen from Wiccas is not a guy we expect to be a hero. Um, he is, he exhibits signs of racism while also being a little more open to the prawns than some of the other people. Like he doesn't seem as hostile towards them. Um, uh, go ahead. But then he's like talking about aborting them. Oh yeah. He's awful. But compared to some of the other people who seem to, uh, really like, I don't know. There's, there's a, again, not, not saying he's, pure or, or like not racist but compared to like some of the military soldiers he was not Word. looking to murder them although he had way too much fun with that scene when they find the uh the the eggs um he is definitely was... okay with killing all these unborn children uh, and do you have a do you, what were they do you have a permit for that little prawn like for their kids mm, yeah and threatening to um to kill it basically or take it <sighs> away but yeah um but most of that was in the name of his job. Um, and obviously, there, there's still, without question, the overall atmosphere of the culture is that the prawns are not welcome. Even though they rescued them and brought them there, they've not been happy with their their involvement. They have not treated them as equals by any means. They are, they're segregation. There's signs all over the place, no prawns, no prawns here. You know, um, Showing, again, a lot of civil rights issues that we've seen throughout history, not just in South Africa. Um, I think it, initially they tell us there's 18 million prawns when they, uh, when they're in District Nine, um, and now they're pushing them away. He's turning into a prawn. Um, the again the body horror that happens with his fingernails falling off and him throwing up, and there's a lot black of blood. black blood. There's some there's some humorous moments like they're having a surprise party for him, which he's about to shit his pants. Um, when that's <laughs> yeah. happening. Uh, he's like he's like telling his wife he's like oh I almost and then as he's about to say it the lights came on as surprise and he's like oh and you hear his stomach like gurgling so he's having an issue and then he goes to the bathroom comes out has to cut the cake for the surprise party throws up all over the cake um, oh no it's just it's just real <laughs> bad um he's very sick and that's when they take him into the MNU and um, find out that he is turning into a prawn so a couple questions. Um, I don't really understand why his father-in-law gives him that promotion. Is it because he believes that his son-in-law is expendable or does he, is he trying to, you know, that's his daughter's husband and he's trying to give him a better opportunity because I can see it either way. I think it's I both. Feel... I think it is okay. both. I think it's, it, this will make my wife's, my, not my wife, my daughter's life better. But if he dies, which is very possible that'll make my life and her life better because in his head that's the better choice right like the, the dad is clearly not a fan of him um we're told wickes is not very bright and 
people seem surprised that he gets the promotion. Even Wicked seems very surprised that he gets the promotion, and it's definitely a, a sign of nepotism that his his father in law is the boss. Um, but his father in law looks pretty delighted when he finds out they're going to cut him open and and you know use him for testing to figure out how to basically make super soldiers. I think is what because they want to use the alien technology, but they can't. I liked that part that in the film that the um, alien weapon weaponry was only able to be used by aliens. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was a little confused about how everyone, I mean, we had a couple of different um, languages from the Nigerians. We have English. We have the language of the aliens. They can all understand each other, but they only speak their native language. Um, Wickes did not understand Nigerian. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, because when they when they were talking, he was freaking out. That was and I was surprised. I'm like, wait a minute, you can speak the alien language, but you can't speak another native tongue in in the area. That that seems odd. But again, that was his job. He worked with aliens, um, and they definitely were fairly fluent. Now they didn't speak alien, which you just I think brought up. Um, they don't. Yeah. You don't ever hear Wickes say anything in the alien tongue. He just talks to them. They understand him. They say something in an alien tongue, and he understands them. Um, there's no signs of any kind of translator or anything in between. It's just understood, which 20 years is long enough to, in theory, learn the language based on arrival, particularly. Um, that's definitely long enough to ha- gain a, a strong understanding. And there's still some confusion. It's not perfect translation, but uh, there is definitely a lot of communication happening without them speaking the same words. And why, I might have missed this, um, why was their ship stuck? I don't think they tell us for sure. There was some kind of malfunction. Um, and I it, I don't know, I mean, because he takes the ship at the end, spoilers again. Um, so it's not broken, broken, but they were out of fuel at the very least. Um, okay. Because it took him 20 years to come up with the little bit of fuel that he had. So, um yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense uh, there, I guess. Um, but it's a compelling premise, if nothing else. Um, you know, the whole idea that an alien ship, they're not here with an agenda. I don't know if they came with an agenda and then it just, oh, we forgot the weapons or what happened. Because they have tons of weapons, um, but they don't, They there is some hostility. It's not like it's they're completely peaceful or anything. Uh, but they, it's kind of understandable because they're being met with hostility, so they're, you know, returning hostility. Um, and for the most part, they seem to have assimilated uh, some of our habits and some of our behaviors. Like there is definitely like a, a police fear. Like when they come in to evict them, they seem afraid of the police. And there is some some react in ways that we see in real life. Um, you know, some people are very hostile towards the police. Some people are very uh, passive and, you know, for apologetic to the police immediately, even if they haven't necessarily done anything wrong. Like, yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. No, um, I'm sorry, sir. You know, like that. And then the other people are just like, forget you, man. One of them was peeing all over them. And like, you know, uh, it was it's a pretty interesting uh, sequence, actually, of him going from house to house, getting them to sign their eviction notice and uh, telling them where they have to go to the concentration camps. Um and being completely unethical. Yeah, that counts as a scrawl. Oh, you have to be evicted now. Oh, but you have to give us 24 hours. Nope. And, yeah. But Come on, governments. That sequence is really compelling. Um, and uh, and that is how he ends up... He confiscates a bunch of weapons in that process of evicting these different uh, prawns. Um, and he encounters Chris. Um, more Chris's friend. Uh, Chris's friend has... Um, 
that's where he finds the fluid that infects him. Uh, Chris's house has computers, but it looks irrelevant, and um, he ends up leaving Chris alone. And when uh, he starts to turn, he ends up running into Chris, and that's where we have this unlikely pairing of the guy who works for the MNU who is controlling and eventually evicting all of the prawns to a concentration camp, and we can only imagine um, what will happen there. I'm sure it will not be good for the prawns. Um, and they, uh, you know, Chris and him decide to go in. They have to break into um, MNU to steal the fuel back so that Chris can... Chris claims he can cure Wickus, that he can um, help return him to a full human. And uh, so they have to break in, and there's a pretty some pretty awesome action sequences. The alien weaponry is nuts. Like, what it does to anything that it hits is crazy. Like, people are exploding left and right. I, I was going to say combusting, but that's not right. But it is pretty awesome. But also awful, because... Um, well, it was when they were making Wickus test the weapons. Yeah. That scene pissed me off. Um, oh, were yeah. They... Where they're shocking his arm and stuff. Uh, um, oh. yeah, and making him shoot. The the last time. Which, that's one of those scenes, though. Um, at that point, he doesn't want to kill an innocent prawn. So while yeah. he, he, while I said he's not as racist as everyone else, I hold to that. I'm not saying he's not racist. He's definitely got some negative, uh, signs, but... He doesn't seem to be as um, mistreating of them as as living creatures as other people are. Like, I think he looks at them more like you would look at a dog. Like, they don't deserve the same rights as us, but you also don't just get to kill a dog, you know. Which, I'm not saying that's the way we should ever look at people. I'm saying that's what I take Wickus's character, where some of the other characters look at them as less than that. In fact, the uh, the, the mercenary who um, is kind of a jerk to Wickus even early on when they're first going door-to-door... Um, he tells the prawns that he loves his job. He loves watching them die. That's that guy is like the epitome of racism. Where Wickus is the ignorant side of racism. Where he's not. He doesn't look at them as expendable. Kill everything. Although again, he did burn the eggs and seemed very fine with that, um, which is really messed up. But again, as Corey pointed out, in that shooting range when they're making him test all these weapons, initially he's shooting like pigs or cows or something. But then they yeah. bring in uh, a prawn, and he he doesn't want to do it. He's he's refusing to do it. He's like, I'll shoot the pigs, put another pig there, and then they um they're using like a cattle prod to stimulate his arm to pull the trigger, and he they make him kill the prawn, and he is not okay with it. And so there's definitely more of a human side to him now. It could be argued that he only is resistant because he's turning into a prawn. Maybe he's sympathetic for that reason, but I, I don't think so. I don't think so either because it is true. I didn't see. I didn't see that level coming from him as from the other characters. Yeah, because again, he seemed he seemed more cordial with them than other times, and there were a few times where he stopped them from killing them where he didn't have to. You know, um, anyone yeah. else would have just shot them or whatever. But at the same time, he wasn't he wasn't afraid to shoot them. But again, it's that weird middle racism where you're racist but not as racist as some of the other people. And so by by comparison, you look a lot less racist, but you're still a racist, and you're still doing things incorrectly and behaving in a way that's not what we would consider right, um, or at least most people. Obviously, there are the racist people who would consider it completely justified um, and say crazy things, and we would say, oh, no, please don't think that way. Um, but that, I mean, ultimately, um, there's the, the big thing is when they go to get the fluid, Chris sees how his um, brethren are being treated or tested 
and he is not okay with it. And it, it's a very tragic moment. Um, a big shootout, and, and Chris is having an existential crisis at what he's seeing, trying to figure out, you know, these people have mistreated us, but I didn't know they were doing this. Like, he he was aware that they were being mistreated, but he didn't know how bad it was, was until he walked into that moment. Um, I, I imagine that would be the equivalent of a Jewish person walking into the concentration camps and finding that the the ash in the air was from his brothers and sisters. Um, it is that type of revelatory moment where he's just like, what is going on? Uh, and Wickes knew it would happen, but was trying to get, you know, healed. He was only concerned with himself at that point. And wasn't one of the experiments his friend? I think so. But the body was burned so badly, it was hard to really make out um, who it was. To me, he did he did seem particularly interested in one of the uh, the dead um, prawns, but and that's when I, he like shuts down. He does, and he only picks up to with motivation <laughs> um, to save his people. And so the original agreement was that he would take Wickus uh, to the ship and cure him, but now he needs the fuel to get home. So he can bring back, I guess, reinforcements um, or more ships to rescue everybody. That part I was unclear on because all of those aliens were on one ship. So and yeah, and they've lost some, but they've also been having some more. Have been having babies, but apparently the MNU has been burning babies whenever they could as well, or burning the eggs. Um, I guess that kind of brings in the pro-life, pro-choice debate into this film of are they alive if they're just in the egg or you know whatnot. Um, but he doesn't. I don't see why he couldn't have taken them all on the big ship. I guess is my point that he has to leave and come back. Or maybe since there is such a militant, you know, there's such a force. If he, you know, it can't just be him initially going in against this military and yeah. expecting to be successful. So I think that it would be for backup to yeah. come and help. But to destroy us or to just fight him off enough to get them back like that's an interesting premise of a sequel that doesn't happen but um so at that point when he realizes that he needs to save his people he tells uh wickus that it's going to be three years before i can help you and wickus isn't cool with that so there's a fight um wickus steals the uh small ship and tries to um get it back to the big ship but is shot down and that's where uh, Wickes has to make some choices. And we get some awesome action sequences as the um, MU, MNU mercenaries are there fighting him. The Nigerian soldiers are there fighting him. And you just have kind of an all-out war happening in District 9. Um, you know, Chris is in danger. Chris's child is trying to, to fix things. And um, it's pretty compelling. It's, it's lots of cool action moments. Um, I'd say it's pretty well shot, especially for the budget that it is. And Wickes is uh, still, he's still transforming. Um, you see his uh, body is slowly becoming more prawn-like on one side. Um, and eventually his eye, too, is uh, his left eye is very much the prawn eye. I thought that looked awesome. It did. I was really impressed with the, the visuals for him. Um, yeah, because it was enlarged and it, it wasn't just, they didn't just throw a contact in. No, yeah, there was something else going on there. His eye looked, it was, it was. I don't know if it was prosthetics or if it was all CG. It looked real to me, though. It looked more like prosthetics than CG. Um, awesome. So, yeah, I was really impressed with the visuals. Again, um, grossed out at times, like fingernails falling off and stuff like that. But um, also just really impressed with what it looks like, especially reading that it was only a $30 million budget um, because that's some, they used it well. Um 
because again the the spaceship sitting over the slums the slums look really cool like there's so much about the film like by cool i don't mean like oh i wish i could live there it, it looked horrible but it was like man look at this looks like an alien like slum like they've really built this for all these people and um or for all these aliens but um eventually wickes has to make a choice either save himself or help chris get away and potentially save all of these prawns and uh he makes the right choice and he sacrifices himself um for chris and his baby and they escape on the ship i wasn't expecting that from him at all after everything that he had done up until that point yeah um i was i it, it would it was predictable in the sense that that's what should happen um if he's going to be our hero of the story he's supposed to make that choice um especially because it was looking like i mean there was some cool tech uh like he gets a, a alien mech suit um which is pretty awesome and kind of replicated in elysium a little bit um but i thought that was pretty cool except he didn't fully know how to use it like when the suit first comes online um, it's it just catches all the bullets that are being shot at it, and then it shoots them back. Which is uh, there's a game called Titanfall that has a mech that does exactly that. And I was like, I don't know if Titanfall got that idea from this movie because I'm it was definitely after District Nine, and I've not seen a whole lot of mech shows. So to me, that was a new weapon, and I thought it was pretty awesome. Um, but like he never uses that again. He uses it once to throw something. Um, like he, he catches it like a car or something and launches it. I can't remember if it was a car or a person or whatever, but he definitely didn't use the mech suit to its full capabilities because, um, it could, it didn't have to get hit by bullets if he was paying attention. Um, from what I saw, at least maybe not, maybe not catch every bullet, but he could have been catching a lot more bullets than he was and potentially keeping himself alive too, which is ultimately not what happens, but right. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. We don't know if he dies or not. No, I thought we did. Well, no. there's an implication that um, he is alive and turned into a full prawn, right? Um, very, mm -hmm. in fact, almost reminiscent of Blade Runner to me in a, in a way because in Blade Runner, um, Harrison Ford's character, whose name I'm not going to remember at the moment, um, finds a little unicorn, um, a little like foil unicorn that his partner, who is a, uh, oh man, all the words for Blade Runner are eluding me, but. Um, it's basically his way of saying, I know that you're there kind of thing, but I'm not getting you. And uh, his wife, Wickus's Wick wife, finds a rose made out of garbage or a flower made out of garbage at her doorstep, um, implying that Wickus is still alive. And then we see a uh, prawn making a flower in the in the garbage. I, I'm I just took that as that's Wickus and he's yeah, it, he's it's waiting probably more or less me forgetting for a second that he because I, I i thought he was definitely going to die but yeah i think you're you're completely right he's still a prawn and so there's still hope that he comes back to being a human because chris said come back christopher johnson chris said he would be oh. able to do it and can we also talk about this because as soon as they named gave his name christopher johnson it made me think of what most of us have probably learned about immigrants coming to um uh. ellis island being forced to take a name that's more comfortable. American. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. That killed me. Yeah. Um, that's that's kind of the movie. It's um, just under two hours. It's, uh, you know, it's very, I think it's a really solid sci-fi film. Um, the aliens are cool. The story is uh, relatable. It's I, I'm finding that I like sci-fi films like this a lot. Arrival, which isn't the same, but it, it deals more with this slow-paced 
um, thought-provoking, you know, kind of social commentary on um, sci-fi rather than it being, like, just these crazy aliens that do stuff. And I like that a lot. Um, and I think that's one of the things about this film that really pulled me in was that there is... I felt for the aliens. Um, and I, I, at the same time, I understand why people would be afraid. You know, these um, these creatures look different. Uh, they are very strong, even though they're also very passive a lot. Like, when I the first time I saw a clip of, like, the police interacting with them and, like, the cops pushing them up against the wall, like we see police do to people, I was really surprised because the, the monster, well, sorry to call it a monster, the prawn towers over the police officer easily could have taken mm-hmm. him, but doesn't. So there's some civility about it, and yet they're being treated as if they have none. Um, and it, it's very it's very scary to watch in a way. Um, but I, I definitely was uh, very impressed with this film, especially because I've seen clips of Elysium. I actually saw the first half of Elysium, and then I've seen clips all the way through it. And my God, Chappie seems like one of the worst ideas ever to be put to film. It's like, hey, you ever see Short Circuit? What if we take that guy and turn him into RoboCop? It's like, no, no, don't. I don't loved do Short that. Circuit when I was a kid. Yeah, but that's just it. When you were a kid, most people don't watch Short Circuit anymore. It doesn't. One, the the Indian character is in brownface. It's a white actor in brownface. Um, two. I was five. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. When we were kids in the '80s, Short Circuit was fun. Johnny Five, you know, whatever. But now it doesn't really hold up, and. Um, Chappie looks ridiculous, and it's hard to believe that this movie that's kind of quiet has a you know a lot of social commentary about you know xenophobia, racism, um, and yet at the same time isn't preachy. Um, it definitely leaves it up for you to kind of decide who's right and wrong. Like you could easily watch this movie and side with the MNU that these these uh, prawns are dangerous and need to be exterminated. And you know if that's your point of view, I'm I'm slightly afraid, but. You could also watch it and see it from a, a human rights perspective that, yes, these people, these are not humans, but they're humanoid. They are capable of thought. They are capable of great uh, technology, as we see with um, Chris particularly. But their, their alien technology that we are able to witness in the film is powerful and obviously far advancing our own. And so, you know, these are in- intelligent creatures that are being treated as if they are wild animals. And solely because they're different and from another country. So there's so much um, that could be taken from this film. And then you look at like Elysium, which there's definitely an attempt at social commentary in Elysium as it deals with the rich versus the poor. Um, The rich live on a space station where they have access to like great medicine and things like that. And the poor are left down on Earth where they struggle to survive and they're basically treated like animals. Um, but it doesn't work. There's something really off with that film. It just doesn't do well with it. Weird. Um, so I was wondering, because I did not see Elysium, um, and I was like, when I was, I saw the trailers and everything, but um, watching that, um, everything that's wrong with Elysium, because I'm never going to watch that movie anyways, yeah. a clip that you sent me, it reminded me of Snowpiercer. And I was like, which one came out first? They both came out the same year. Yeah, and Snowpiercer is a much more fun movie um, in a lot of ways. It, the now again, we we both watched the Cinema Sins for Chappie and for um, uh, Elysium, mainly just to have some frame of reference. Now, if we were to look at those two films, um, first of all, if we look at uh, District Nine, 
has a 81, I think, Metacritic score. Yeah, 81 Metacritic and an 8.0 user score on IMDb, which is really great. Like, and I have we haven't given our rating yet, but mine's going to fall in that same type of ballpark. Where if we look at Elysium um, from 2013, it has a 61. So not not hated, but also not nearly as well received as um, District 9. And then you look at Chappie. And now, if you're not familiar with the South African music group Diantwood, then you don't know how bad Chappie is. Um, but Diantwood are two of the major characters in the film. They play themselves... Uh, the sad thing is that we have some really big actors in this movie. Dev Patel, um, who was just nominated for uh, Best Supporting Actor for the movie Lion, uh, who I think won or was nominated for uh, Slumdog Millionaire in 2008. Um, we have Hugh Jackman, Sigourney Weaver, and yet this movie is ridiculous. And I guess I didn't even realize Charlotte Copley is Chappie. I did not realize he was the voice of what? Chappie in that movie. Um I knew he was. I, I figured he was in this because they're supposed to be like childhood friends, Neil Blomkamp and him. Um, but even the tagline "I am Discovery, I am Wonder, I am Chappie" makes me want to throw up. Um, the trailers for this movie look ridiculous. I think the even the design he looks like a bunny rabbit. I don't know what's going on with the robot. Um, I I can't like the cinema sins was hard to sit through because I was so annoyed with the idea of that movie. Um, it was generally hated. It still has a 41 Metacritic, which isn't horrible. It's not great, obviously. It's under 50. It's not what you're looking for, but it's still not. It looks like a movie that would have like a 10. So there's a, there's enough there that some people liked it. I don't ever plan on watching it. And Elysium, I like Matt Damon, and it looked compelling, but I tried watching it, and I got, I got bored and was willing to walk away from it. Um, which I don't do very often. I generally sit through a film. Um, I wasn't in the theater or anything, but still, I, I left my friend's house rather than watching oh, the rest no. of the movie. So, um, oh no, yeah. So you know, that's uh, I he seems like he might be a one hit wonder because District Nine is pretty epic. It's pretty great. Um, again, it is pretty well received by everybody. It did really well. It, it made well over its budget of the thirty million and, um why he's been able to make two more movies and he's got a third uh fourth movie in the works that is listed as an alien um project so i'm not sure if he's still getting that um or if that was before covenant was coming out if maybe he was going to do an alien movie or if he's doing the next one um i don't know if that'll be good or bad his first run with aliens worked out really well district nine is great but i don't know if we want to see like a xenomorph like political <laughs> system or you know, <laughs> um, oh, no. i don't know but uh, I think that about does it, Corey. Um, how would you rate your opinion of well? I, before I say that, I I need to ask you: Is there anything else that you wanted to mention with District Nine? Mm, no, I think I covered it. Okay, then then the question becomes: What do you give it as a rating? I hate this part. Okay, um, I'm gonna say if you enjoy science fiction and or social commentary, not quite Golden Pony Boy. And if you don't. Uh, if you don't like either of those things, because I feel like science fiction ha is very, you either like it or you don't like it most of the time. Um, I would say if you don't like either of those things, decent watch. Okay. That's still pretty good. Cause if you don't like it and it's still pretty decent, um, is that like where you fall on it? Like, are you, I, yeah, me myself, um, I would say not quite golden pony boy, um, 
yeah, I would say not quite Golden Pony Boy. Yep, and that's where I fall to. I don't think it's a must-see. I do think it's a really well-made film, especially for the budget. I think there's some great stuff in it. Um, it's definitely enjoyable, too. I thought the time went by really quick. Like, it, um, the hour 50 minutes, it, it was. I, I was engaged the entire film. Um, I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, there were some parts where I, I had to look away, which I, again, am praising that. Like, they grossed me out enough that I looked away. Like, with the fingernails falling off, and him picking at his side, I was like, "Oh, oh, stop, stop, oh. stop!" Um, so, I, I'd say I'm a little disappointed. One, I kind of want a sequel. Um, I want the three years later when Chris comes back. Uh, I want to see what happens. Is there a war? I, at the same time, I don't because I don't think it's going to be anything like this movie. It, it shouldn't be. Um, and I, I think that's what made this movie so great is what it was. It, is it is a quiet. There is action. You can't say there's no action in this movie, but. Um, the sci-fi elements aren't necessarily what drives the action. Uh, it's this man's desire to survive and not be um, persecuted. I mean, it is an interesting idea, um, you know, to take a a character who is on the side of the racist people and then make him one of the the uh, make him start to become one of the people who is being judged. It'd be, I guess, like an equivalent of a Nazi soldier um, being discovered as being from a Jewish grandfather or something, and um, how they would react and how they would expect to, you know, they're not going to treat him as a a fellow soldier anymore. They're going to treat him as the enemy. And um, how his desire to survive, you know, made him, one, to learn to appreciate uh, the other culture a little more, um, even if he still doesn't seem to like it, but the fact that he was willing to make a sacrifice for, to save one member of that group to potentially save more said he's learned something, you know, and it's so in that way, it's really compelling. So I do go not quite golden. Um, I usually try to think, why am I not giving it a must see? And I honestly, I, I don't know. I don't have a good reason not to give it the must see, I guess. I can't really think of anything that's glaringly wrong with it. Um, there was nothing that stood out. Maybe the framing device of the documentary, because when you when you step back, you don't need that. It doesn't add anything really particularly great to the film. It is interesting, uh, and that's why I'm, it's not a bad element, but it's unnecessary. If you pull out some of those interviews, you don't get all the exposition that you get, which is that part's important. But some of the stuff with like alluding to the time frame of the documentary, like where these people were interviewed after the events of the film, where they're referencing Wickes's turn um, to support the aliens and things like that. Like that stuff doesn't seem like it was necessary early in the film. Um, but again, I'm, I'm looking for a reason not to give it the must see here because it just doesn't feel like a must see to me. It doesn't, it doesn't resonate. I don't know that I'll rewatch this anytime soon. Um, this would be a film that I would recommend to people, though, and say if you've never seen this, you should definitely watch it. I don't know that I'm going to go back to it anytime soon. How you feel any any differently about that? I am sad it took me so long to see it. Um, yeah. And I will likely rewatch it, um, but probably not for a while. Also. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to be in a in a mood for a sci-fi film, but I, I this is a film I think I would rewatch with somebody. Like if someone else had not mm-hmm. seen it. I would want it like, oh, you you haven't seen it either. You got to check this out. It's really good. Um, but I don't know that I would be like, ooh, let's watch District 9. Like, it's not that type of um, movie for me. Now, if it were on TV, I think I would leave it on. Like, I wouldn't, like, actively look to not watch it. But I don't know that I would make an effort to watch it again. Like, immediately. And years from now, maybe. But, like, a lot of must-see films, they're films that I feel like 
I'm going to rewatch for sure. Like, um, you know, I, I'm going to rewatch Swiss Army Man. That was a must see for me. I'm going to rewatch. I've already rewatched The Lobster. I've already rewatched Green Room. I gave uh, the current film Get Out a, a must see rating, and I've rewatched it in the theater already. Like, those are. That's usually what it is for me as a movie that I would I would watch again immediately and look forward mm-hmm. to it. Um, I don't and need to purchase like even if it even if, for something to be like a must see film to me also maybe I won't rewatch it right away but I feel like I need to have it in my mm-hmm. physical collection. Yeah, like Moana came out uh, on Tuesday and I am I haven't bought it yet. And I'm like kind of upset at myself for not buying it already. Like I I know I want that movie. I know I want it in my collection and. Again, even if I don't watch it right away, I know I want it. I know I want access to it. Um, I bought District 9, but I bought it you know, on sale. And again, I think it's a pretty awesome movie. I'm just not... It's not one that I feel like I need to see again. Because again, I don't think it says anything particularly new about the social commentary. It's framed in a cool way with the aliens instead of it being other humans. But... Um, it it doesn't do anything that I thought was particularly like revolutionary with that concept. Racism's wrong. I've always felt that way. Um, most movies that deal with the topic deal with it that way. The interesting, I guess, the new way would be turning them into that, where it's you know literally turning him in. He's not. It's not just like oh, we found out about your your lineage, but it's like oh no, your DNA is being altered as we speak, and you're turning into one of the enemy. Um, that was a that's probably pretty new. I don't know. I'm. It's definitely a high. Like if we if we did half ratings or whatever, this would get a not quite golden pony boy plus. Um, yeah, it's, it's, like four and a half stars. It's pretty. It's pretty great. So uh, definitely one. If you haven't seen it, we recommend that you check it out. Um, we will be back next week. Always do this. <laughs> we suck at this. This part not is our not. Point. We forget to look at what movie are we going to watch next week. Um, we will be back next week, and I'm, dun, I'm pulling dun, it up. Dun. Oh my god! Move faster, phone. Um. We'll, we're going to be watching. Wait for it. It's coming. <gasps> oh, something Corey really wants to see. Ah, ah, that's right. I moved it up. Eternal Sunshine of oh. the Spotless Mind. Um, so if you want to watch Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, or you've already watched it and you have things you'd like to say, um, you'd like to hear. We'd love to hear your thoughts or read your thoughts, and we would gladly read them on the podcast. Uh, you can reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at Burke Reviews, Corey. I'm at Corey R. Star, two R's on the end. And um, you can also email us from uh, BurkeReviews.com, um, John Burke at BurkeReviews.com for me. And uh, tell us whatever you want about Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. You can talk about your favorite performance, your favorite element of the movie, what you didn't like about the movie, uh, other Charlie Kaufman films that we should watch because I'm still behind on a few. I haven't seen Adaptation yet. Um, Corey has not seen Synecdoche, New York. And... Uh, that's one that I know our mutual friend would probably love to do a podcast on. Might have to bring Brendan back on to the podcast with Synecdoche, New York. Um, if you don't know who Brendan is, check out our episode on The Handmaiden. Um, and uh, it's a long one. It's a two-hour episode. But, um, you know, it's one of my favorite episodes. We had a lot of fun talking about The Handmaiden. Um, that's about it. Uh, our top five movie podcast from last week was about Samuel L. Jackson. So if you haven't listened to that yet, we recommend that you check that one out. Um there are some funny twists in that one that uh, Corey, Mike, and I had some similar <laughs> items on our list, which has happened, but never in the way it happens on that episode. So highly recommend that you check that out. We'll be back next week with the Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Um, until then, Corey, thank you very much. Thank you. Bye, guys. Peace, everybody. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. 
bookreviews.com. <laughs>